they need a home, they can get a home loan. If they need education, they can get education. If they were hurt in service, we pay compensation. If you weren't hurt in service, but you fell on hard times, we give you pension. There's just an array of benefits out there for veterans, and we really want to just make sure that all the veterans know what's out there. Choose VA today. For more information, visit va.gov or call 1-855-948-2311. Oh, we got one more rewind. Monday, April 18th, 2022. Born the Battle, brought to you by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I'm your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. However you listen to Born the Battle, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Facebook, the player inside the blog on blogs.va.gov. Welcome. Hope you're having a good week outside of podcast land. Well, it was unplanned to have another rewind as we do have some really good fresh content to release, uh, but this could not be helped. The matriarch in the Iskra family, my grandma has passed away at the age of 91 and I had to go home. Matter of fact, that's where I'm recording this monologue uh, out in Washington state. I even did an interview out here for a future episode, but with everything going on with the family, with my family, uh, I just didn't have time to get everything together for a full fresh episode. Again, not going to run through ratings, reviews, or news releases, but I do implore you to go to www.va.gov forward slash OPA forward slash press rel. As I did see some of the titles, including a notice of funding for the Staff Sergeant Parker Gordon Fox suicide grant program. They're granting a lot of money to support innovations in, in, in preventing suicide. And uh, there was another one about rehabilitation programs for incarcerated veterans. I haven't got a chance to look at them yet, but if you do get a chance, it would behoove you to check them out. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. I even got a behoove in this week, Uh, but definitely check those out uh, if you get a chance. All right. This subject has been in the news pretty regularly since we released this episode. A couple of years ago when I was able to explore the burn pit registry with a couple of veterans involved in the program. Uh, They explained what it was, what it does for veterans, and how you can get on the registry. Enjoy. So gentlemen, thank you and welcome to Born the Battle. We have two career soldiers, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct, yes. Mr. Vincent Mitchell, 27 years in the Army, Mm -hmm. CW4, Intel linguist. How did you find your way to post-deployment health services from that <laughs> career? Uh, just a question. Just, just a little different. After spending, after spending more than 30 years working uh, inside buildings with, with no windows, inside closed doors, I was looking for something different that allowed me to continue to you know, support soldiers. So applied for the VA, uh, was accepted, and I've you know, been in post-deployment health for, for about five years now. Roger. Working on your doctorate, right? Yep. Education? Yep, doctorate in education. How is education going to help with what you're doing now? we That's what we do all the time. We're, we're educating the veterans or we're educating the staff on how to best utilize the uh, tool, the registry, to support the veterans. So, Sorry. Yep. Dr. Eric Shubin, correct? That's correct. 27, also 27 years in the Army. 
Um, certified in family preventative medicine and occupational medicine practices. What does that mean? Yeah, they're, they're board certifications. So when you, you, you finish medical school, you, you go to residency practice. And I did the first one, family practice. Short, shortly after our leaving internship, and then I did a second one later, um, you know, kind of got the urge to do uh, public health type work. So I did preventive medicine. And then down the road, I got the chance to do some extra, extra training in occupational medicine. So, right, right. so then I had to sit and take the board you know, exam for okay. it and get the certification. Gotcha. Favorite station while you were in? Favorite station. You had a lot on your bio. Yeah, Germany. Uh, all, all places in Germany were, were were really great, but probably my favorite was um, Grafenbier. Most people don't like Grafenbier because they go to the field and, and it tends to be cold and wet, but it was a great place to live. No matter where you're at in Germany, there's good beer. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Your bio also stated that you have significant experience in environmental health issues within the Army and DOD and deployed in garrison settings. Briefly, what specific experience does that refer to? Right. Well, I spent a year in Iraq de- de- deployed. I was at uh, Camp Victory, and uh, we, we had a medical brigade, and we we're essentially the headquarters unit for the medical people. You know, the hospitals, the caches in in um, in, in Iraq, and um, did surveillance uh, type work, and, and of course, occupational medicine and uh, burn pits was was part of that work. You know, you in that job. So, so that was the deployed side. And in Garrison, my last job, I worked for the um, Army Surgeon General's office, and we um, actually a lot of the projects that I work on now. I worked on on the on the DOD side too. Cause, oh, cause, interesting. So that's one thing we 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 actually work very closely with with, with DOD. So so that, that was probably the interest of the job, just kind of continuing what I was doing before, but but on in a different capacity. Got you. Interesting. What also also that was interesting, and again, just going through your bio is that you're involved in chemical warfare agent programs, specifically the issue of lead exposure from firing ranges, nuclear, and chemical surety programs. So I'm guessing the layman term is guarding those types of weapons. Shoot houses, special forces soldiers had shoot houses and they would go essentially in these enclosed spaces and shoot a lot of rounds, you know, you're preparing to um, you know, go to war and, and those bullets had lead in them and, and um, dust would develop. And, and so there was a risk of exposure, you know, breathing in the dust. So that, that research was on health risk with being exposed, that, that exposure to that much dust. Right. And, and, and one kind of surveillance, you know, doing blood tests on them to check them for lead levels. And more importantly, trying to mitigate the, the, the lead. You know, what can you do? You know, ventilation, cleaning, you know, you know maybe go down, you know, you know, adjust your training schedule a little bit to, to let the dust kind of settle too. So, so kind of making recommendations to, you know, still do the training, but, but do it a little bit more, you know, you know, safely. That's all, that's all extremely interesting. I think that's, that's a good reason to, that our listeners should know a little bit of the background, what, what you two gentlemen do which is the Airborne Hazards and Open Burn Pit Registry. Personally, I haven't seen a lot of news on the subject, uh, most notably with Jon Stewart being the advocate for veterans on this, uh, a lot yes. of blog write-ups on that. Briefly, how did the registry start? Well, it's it started from service members that had deployed to um, Iraq and Afghanistan, and they were concerned about their exposures to dust particles and specifically the burn, burn pits that were that they ran into yeah. when they were were deployed to those areas and uh, in 2014 Congress required DoD and VA to come up with some way of recording and and offering those veterans and service members who were concerned about their health exposures, an opportunity to record those exposures and talk to a healthcare professional about those those exposures. 
And in 2014, June of 2014, the registry began and it's continuing today. I know right now there are approximately 194,000 participants in the registry of approximately a population of about uh, 2.7 million veterans that are eligible to, to join the registry. Wow. It's actually 195,000. Yeah. I looked at it right before yeah. I came <laughs> over. And, and kind of the point is it, it changes about yeah. 500 a week. So, exactly. so, so if you go online, there's kind of a counter. When, when you go to register, sure. um, you'll, you'll see like a number in the upper right-hand corner. And, and uh, it actually changes in real time. Not that I sit there and watch it, but but you know from time to time, I'll go in it in different times of the day. It's like, oh, you know, it's up 20, you, you, know, you, know, uh, you know, based on last time I looked at it. Does, so, does like say 200,000 or 500,000, they get like a special like mug you know <laughs> we, we can think about it <laughs> you know it's you know, a good gr- promotion gr- great idea yeah <laughs> so there's a counter so you got about uh, a little less than 200,000 right now but 2.7 million people are eligible to do that so you guys are you guys got some work to get to get to get more people on there you guys are just scratching the surface it just sounds like yes. a little bit very good very good and super interesting how did both of you get involved in the program well, how how I how I uh, became involved with the program, I transitioned from another office, another program area in the VA to this office as a program manager. I was working a, a, a number of different programs, and the person that was managing uh, the day to day of the registry left the VA. So it's uh, who's going to take care of this now? You. <laughs> <laughs> so, so nice that's how that's how I I ended up working with the registry. But it, it's it's been exciting. It, it's it's never a a uh, quiet day. There's always something to do within that registry. There's always someone that we're assisting with uh, working in in that registry. So, gotcha. For, for me, yeah, um, I actually started working at the VA September of eighteen, so about a year and a half right now. And and um, you know, I was separated from the army, and I wanted. Yeah, you know, needed to work. Kids in college, but but <laughs> but um, our director, um, Dr. Lauren Erickson, I, I knew him from the army, and 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 he's you know been a mentor, and I got a hold of him. It's like, hey, we're you know you know we got a job and interviewed, and I can't say VA was like you know like I got gravitated to the VA naturally, but I, I think through the influence of you know Dr. Erickson, you know he got me interested, and you know like you know Mitch said here, you know the work's actually re- one really interesting too. I like working with our field offices, and we we really work with 100 each facility each facility has a person doing these kind of exams so so we don't work with them you know daily directly but yeah. but you know from time to time we, we we touch out with them and you know kind of, kind of like helping um them solve their issues to kind of, kind of coaching them, you know, you know, sort of nudging them to, you know, do more of, of, of the burn pit exams. And I like helping the veterans too. You know, I know there's a lot of frustrations, you know, with the program, but, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully we, we make it a little bit easier for, for, for some people to, you know, you know, navigate through, you know, through the system. Roger. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. If, um, if I can brag, you know a little about, about Mitchell, and I think um, you know military intelligence is probably not the you know the usual pathway into a healthcare yeah you, you know kind of kind of career super but, interesting career career yeah, well <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes and no um, um we do work work a lot with big data and data systems yeah. and, and that's really part of the intel community's forte so so I think we're you know really lucky to have a skill set. And, and two, it's kind of nice to have a, a the veteran's perspective on it too. You, you know, if you've done healthcare all your life, you you, you think like a healthcare guy, it's, it's really nice to have someone who's, who's not always been a healthcare saying, well, you know, you know, I don't think that's going to work. You, you know, you know, to give us 
you know, better ideas on, you know, on, on the program. Very good. Very good. Super interesting. Who is the burn pit registry for? I think, I think it's almost a rhetorical question, but I think it needs to be said. And how, how are those veterans eligible to sign up for, for the program? Yeah. First and foremost, you have to have gone to the eligible countries. And, you know, if we had a map in front of us, if you, if you looked at Iraq and, and went down through Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, all the way down the coast to Oman, if you went to any of those countries from Desert Storm till now, um, oh, so it includes Desert Storm. Yeah, yep. yep, Desert Storm. And a lot of a lot of oil burning during then. Yep. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, so Desert Storm and the people who deployed, you know, to those countries after Desert Storm, and then click forward to nine eleven, Afghanistan and Djibouti were added in fourteen. But after nine eleven, if you were in Afghanistan before then, you're not eligible. But I don't think many people were, you know, because the bases were you know set up, you know, kind of post nine eleven. And then if you were in the seas around the um, Arabian Peninsula, so, so the Red Sea, the Arabian Sea, you know, the Persian Gulf, Gulf of Oman, you know, essentially all, all that water. If, you, if you're on a ship during that time too, then you're eligible. And, and that's from Desert Storm forward. All so so people are cruising right now are eligible to join the registry. Got you. And this kind of gets well frustrating, it, you know, to veterans because uh, burn pits is a very common way of getting rid of of trash. We hear from Vietnam veterans, not so much Korean, but veterans from Philippines, Bosnia, and we 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 burn our trash, and and you know we understand we got it, and you certainly may have health effects from you know that burning trash, but we're really looking at this area specifically because it's not just the burn pits; it's the um, airborne hazards. You know, it's, it's the dusty environment. It's the um, people burning their own trash. You, you know, we weren't the only ones burning trash. It, yeah. it was, it was, you know, you know, the locals too. So those, just those large oil fields that were just burning for yeah. months and months. Yeah. So, so you know, one of the main reasons of the burn pit is to gather scientific knowledge, and, and if you add people from other conflicts, it, it kind of dilutes it. And that doesn't mean they don't have health problems, and doesn't mean they weren't exposed to burn pits. We just don't want to include you in this study. Because we got to keep the eligibility clean, and of course we urge those people to go get healthcare. You, you, you know, you know, you know, you'll go to the VA or your doctor and, and take care of your issues. But you, you know, the burn pit registry just isn't the the, the path for them. Yeah, definitely to limit the variables. Got you. Why sign up? Yeah, I I, I think that's a, a fair a fair question, right? What's the purpose? What's the benefit to the veteran that signs up? Two things. And, and the registry is actually two parts. Uh, part one is an online survey. I mean, we, we can talk to that. You know, yeah, we will. we will. But, yeah. but once you get online, you um, will be asked to answer a lot of questions about your de- deployment, where you were, what were you exposed to, your, your health effects. And we um, ask about hobbies that, that have like a occupational nature to them. You know, you know, say you're like a welder or ceramics or woodworker, things of dust that, that may affect your health. We asked about, you know, you know, that too. So, so it's a fairly long survey. It takes about 40 minutes, you know, to complete and, and essentially goes into a database. What, what do I get from that survey? You're, if, you're I, help, if, I, if I'm going to yes. spend the 40 minutes. Yes. You're helping your fellow soldier. Okay. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're helping your fellow soldier to provide information that the um, VA and, and DOD can use for research. So, so, so that part, you're helping your soldier, not so much helping you. You're part of the soldier group, but, but sure. it's more for the collective, gotcha. you, you know, good. But the the part two is when you sit down with a healthcare provider, that, that's when you can say, hey, what does this mean to me? You know, we've we, we done some surveys and, you know, veterans have potentially lots of health issues. 
you know, depression and some have homelessness and, you know, it goes on, on and on. But one thing I think in the back of everyone's mind who deployed is, is you know, that environment was was dirty. Um, mm-hmm. I was in some bad stuff. How's that going to affect my health? And, and, and I think veterans need to, you know, sit down and just have a conversation with someone about what, what does this mean to me and, and, and my health? And that, that's what you do with the part two exam is, is talk to a healthcare provider about it. Okay. And that's, Vincent, that's a free exam, right? Like that's it's, it's a free exam. So there's a benefit. Yeah, there's, there's a benefit. But I, I know for me personally, I, I just deployed to Iraq. And as far as the regist- registry is concerned, I want to know if there's any health impact yeah. to me in the future. And I want I wanted to have advanced notice of that. And if you're part of this registry, uh, there's an opportunity that you could get advanced notice if there is anything that is that is that is noticed in the future. So so it's uh, it, it, that's it. That's one reason to join that. Registry. So long term care, yeah. looking forward. What's that look like as far as getting advanced? I was like, hey, just let you know, you might be more susceptible to X, Y, and Z because based on the research? Is that what we're looking based at? Based on the research. And, okay. and one of the things that the registry offers to to uh, individuals, you're can, you can go back into the registry at any time once you're a participant and update your, your contact information so that we can contact you. We have your email address. We have your telephone number. And if there's any updates or any information concerning the registry, that's the opportunity that we have to uh, feed that information to you. Like for, like for what? New services, new information, that sort of thing? Exactly. Very good. Very good. How do you sign up? You go online. If you type in airborne hazard, burn pits, it, it's almost always the first or second thing on, on, on Google. And then the right-hand corner, it, if you need a DS login, click here, and, and it'll work you through that process. If you have a DS login, click here, and, and then you use your DS login. And, and that can sometimes be um, challenging. You, you know, People forget passwords and stuff, but, but if you have any issues with that, you go through the normal DS login procedures and you know the, the ds login has a lot of sensitive information in it you, know, you can get to phi you can get to your benefits and stuff so, so it has some pretty strong fire firewalls you know for for, for good reasons and, mm-hmm. and that kind of translates to the um, burn pit registry too that's why but, you guys use that ds login. Yeah. right gotcha. yeah, that's right sense. and and um once you're in you have to sign a consent form you don't sign but you click you know there's a consent click form to read you click you know it's not for everybody it kind of explains what what the data may you know, be used for, and, and some people opt out, and, and, and that's, you know, you're fine. You can go back again and do it later. And then from there, most people's deployment information is, is auto-populated from um, DOD. Okay. Uh, DOD, through a group called DMDC, will, will send deployment information. So, so I, I joined the registry myself, and, you, you know, at DS login uh, issues, and, but that, you know, <laughs> we all do, we all do. But once I worked through that, you, you, you know, you know I, I got in and, and my um, deployments were, were, were there. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a few errors. It, it was kind of based on your swipes. You, you know, you fly into Kuwait, you swipe your ID and you're here and then you fly to Iraq. I, I think I missed a swipe or, or yeah, two. Sure. So, so I seemed like I had more time in Kuwait than I really did. So, so you're able to change that in it. And, and, and then you kind of start finishing the questions there too. No, that, that's most people. No, no, not everyone gets this automatic login. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the um, pre-9-11, so the uh, Desert Storm group, the data is not necessarily digitized sure. and able to be fed. It's all analog. And and they have to go through what we call an automated automated ver- verification. Um, and and what, what that is, is you'll get a message that, that kind of says you, you are not eligible. It doesn't mean you're not eligible, but it, it's, we don't have the information 
available to that and, and, and this is what you need to do. Then you have to quick click another screen to request an, an automated review and then you kind of move forward you, you know from there. So, so it's a little bit more labor intensive with the um, automated enrollment group because they, they have to fill in more fields than, than the other group does. Got you, got you. Just, just one emphasis. I know we're going through the online portion, but we always want to emphasize that it's a, it's a two-part process. There's the online part, that's phase one, and then there's a voluntary in-person medical exam. That's part two. Most people fall through part one uh, without any problems, but they believe that that's the end of it. No, there's, there's, there's part one and there's a part two. <laughs> Gotcha. So when you do the survey, make sure you... Now, is the VA going to reach out to you to schedule the appointment, or do you have to reach out to the VA to schedule the appointment? We, we, we ask people to schedule their, their own appointments. One, not, not everyone wants an appointment. You, you know, we, we emphasize the exam is optional. Not everyone wants to make the drive, or, or you know, they're, they're content that, hey, I've, I've documented my exposures. And mm-hmm. then that's another advantage of the uh, burn pit registry. I've, you know, documented my, my exposures, you know, downrange too. You know, it's in a database. Mm-hmm. But... But yeah, we, we, we asked for the um, veterans if they want an appointment to call. Very good. Yeah, we also want to want to uh, say, emphasize that too. The, the onus is on the individual to reach out to the VA to schedule an appointment. Um, most of what we see, uh, hear from the veterans is they're waiting for the VA to call them to schedule an appointment. But it's it, the onus is on the veteran to call. Now, we do have some medical facilities that are working with the registry to contact veterans to to get them to come in for the medical evaluation. But the onus is on that veteran or that vet, the service member to contact. But what you call facility. it's free. Yeah. Walk in. Exactly. Everything. Gotcha. Is there uh, you guys looking in the future for like a telehealth option uh, for the exams? I think that's definitely possible because, you know, many veterans don't live close to the, you know, to the facility. They can be hours away. And um, there are um, actually a few sites that, that are doing telehealth or at least you know, exploring it. Yeah, I've noticed that on blogs.va.gov that there's some blogs on there that are talking about that new Atlas system where it's, you go to Walmart, you go to VFW, you can do like a telehealth appointment with the VA. So I was wondering <laughs> if this is something that they could do through, through that well, system. We haven't uh, coordinated with <laughs> Sure, it. sure. But, but, you know, maybe that might, there, there, there's many a Walmart and, and VFWs, you know, out there. But, but um, you know, you know, some sites are exploring it. And I, I think it's, you know, a great option, especially for people. People that, that it's just really hard to travel. Absolutely, you know? and then that, that, that may be one of the infamous why someone doesn't want to get an exam is, is you know you have to drive three hours to, yeah. to to do it. Yeah, definitely something to we can look at maybe in the future. Very good. And you guys have a for those that you know technology has passed them by, so part one might be a little difficult. What would be a good option for them? Like, would it be? I know you guys have a phone number too, right? Like a like a like an assistance line. Right, yeah. and we'll put that in the we'll put that in the blogs and uh, in the blog on blogs.va.gov, and then uh, I, I would just say what go to your vet center, go to your local vet center, go to go to BMOC. They will help you out. You can go to your vet center. You can contact that one eight hundred number help desk. Uh, there, they can help you with the registry. There is an online guide with step by step on how to acquire a DS logon, how to put in your deployment dates if they're not automatically visible to you. There are, there are different ways of, of helping a veteran through. And it and if they can't make it through, if they go through the helpline and, and they're still having issues, uh, eventually that call will make it to us and we'll, we'll 
we'll help them through it. Very good. I'm, yeah. I'm getting more as I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. I'm getting more and aware, more and more aware of technological technology yeah. challenges. I'm noticing kids are doing stuff now. I'm, I'm just now getting to that point. Where I'm like, I'm good. I don't need to learn that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so you know, with anything that's online now, I'm like, hmm. I wonder yeah. if the generation behind me. Yeah. So it's, it, it, it's good that you guys have those, have those options like the phone number and, and, and reach out to you guys and that, that sort of stuff. There was a gentleman in the um, greater Pittsburgh area who had had computer challenges. He, if, if he had one, it just didn't work. And, and one one URL will get you is, is at each VA facility, we have a person known as environmental health coordinator, EH, EHC, E-H-C. and there, there's a web link and you'll see all the, you know, the state. So you click on the state and you can cl- find your closest facility to there. And, and, and anyway, we, we, we had our EHC person in Pittsburgh contact the veteran and he got him into, you know, I think the library, you know, the VA and kind of got him access and sat him down and checked on him. And, and yeah, he, he got him in there and, 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 and we, we, we can do that because, because we know that everyone doesn't have computers or, or may not have, have, have the skills. To, to do it so very good yeah. very good awesome um what have what have you learned so far with the registry what what's how have veterans been affected with, with some of these issues are there any other things outside of the of the direct relation do burn pits that that you are learning maybe something else you know, basically are there any correlation to any other illnesses i, I only ask that because in one of the videos you provided they were talking about respiratory issues with blast data Right. And, and some other things like that. What are you guys learning with this registry? Right. You know, you know there's no definitive, you know, you know, in science, you'd like to say that A causes B, you know, we hear about the coronavirus, you know, kind of outbreak in China. And the only way to get coronavirus is, you know, exposure to coronavirus. But most of the the diseases we're talking about, we're, we're not really sure what, what causes them, you know, asthma, cancer. Yeah, they, they all have a genetic component. And, and it could be exposures from downrange, or it may not be, and and, and that that's kind of what we're trying to find and and, and look at. Would say that that people who who deploy acute respiratory illnesses do come up, you, you know, but but generally they, they they tend to kind of resolve, be it the Kuwaiti crud or you know upper respiratory infections are, are, are pretty common, you know, and, you know, plus though in the you know the dust too, and 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 that's definitely there. You know, we're 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 seeing asthma. In, in veterans and and can't really say that that it's higher than than you would expect in in, in non-veteran populations too, but but that's one one group that we're you know you're looking at too, and we're we're interested of course in in you know you know cancer, um, you know such sure. exposures leading to to cancer, but when you say cancer, every organ is is different. You, you know you need certain exposures and factors to cause say thyroid cancer or lung cancer. You know they're all different, so it's not just you can't just look at cancer. You got to look at each one, sure. you know, in, in, individually. I think it's well. You guys are like ten percent right now, or one percent. Which I don't know. What's math for Marines? I'm a Marine, so two hundred thousand to two point seven. What's that? One percent, ten percent, some very small, small percent of veterans that are currently on the registry compared to what who's been exposed. So I, I can understand where it's everything's inconclusive right now. You know, the mm-hmm. data set probably just isn't there, and I think I can see that. You know. You know, I, I think it's something that, you know, maybe as you, as more veterans sign up, maybe maybe the data sets get more concrete. And the burn pit registry is not the only effort. You know, it's just one tool in, in the toolkit. And, and there's several large studies, the Millennium Cohort Study. It, it's part of that. Well, they, they, yeah. they look at respiratory disease. And that, that's more kind of an all population. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you know, kind of look while, while, while the burn pit <laughs> registry is people who 
taking the time. You know, they have an interest in, in doing this. But in the landing cohort, of course, you got to volunteer for that too. But yeah. but it, it's statistically more representative of, yeah. of, of you know, kind of everybody. And, and they're looking at that and lots of other things too. After I pass the stage with the Millennium Cohort, I, they send me a coin. Every every like five years or something, I get a coin. Are you are you uh, are you you're part? Of- I am. Okay. I am. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they've sent yeah. some coins, and I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. I, I forget yeah. about it, and then I get a coin, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. And uh, one more, you know, effort. I, I want to mention the Airborne Center of, of Excellence in, in mm-hmm. um, East Orange, New Jersey. <laughs> and before I talk about them, first I got to talk about we have three war-related injury surveillance centers. The the risk. We got one in Palo Alto, California, one in D.C., and one in East Orange. And they specialize in challenging, maybe hard to diagnose exposure, you know, you know type, type type cases. And they have kind of like a regional focus. So, so uh, Palo Alto has the West. You know, New Jersey has the Northeast and D.C. has kind of the South. So you kind of, if you picture a map, you know, know, they they kind of divided it up and they'll get referrals from, um, you know, say you're Atlanta and you have a a challenging patient, they'll they'll do a referral to the DC. Like a challenging case? like a Exactly. Like they don't really know what it is? Right. It's like they're they're like playing house, like the show house. Well, not as rude. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Yeah. No, no. That's good to know. They're they're, they're very polite. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, but but they are... um, as smart as house, yes. yeah. So, upper, so hard to, hard to diagnose upper respiratory infections. They're the center that's going to try to figure that out. Well, the, the New Jersey is they have a, a special carve out that that is looking at the respiratory infections too, and they're um, coordinating with uh, some other VA centers, um, Colorado, Baltimore, Detroit, and and, and a few others. And essentially, the the, the pulmonologists, they're you know lung doctors, are, are kind of doing the same things. You, you know, you know, they're evaluating the people, they're collecting data. This study is called the Aware Program, and and just you know the burn is not, just not the only egg in the basket. You know, there's lots of other things going on too to try to get a you know better handle on on exposures, you know, respiratory exposures and, and disease. Interesting. You send me those links, I'll put them in the blog. Okay. All right, big question. Currently, the information in the registry doesn't help one's disability compensation within, within the Veteran Benefits Administration. Basically, you're if you sign up for the burn pit registry, you're not signing up for a claim for benefits, right? Accurate? Correct. However, and I know how much doctors and medical folks love to speculate, probably about as much as weathermen. Much like we're seeing with with the Blue Water Navy veterans and their exposure to Agent Orange, symptoms related to burn pit exposure, are they currently being considered as a recognized disability by the VA or is more information needed? Well, any veteran can put in a claim and, and if, they, if they believe, you know, respiratory exposure is part of the disease causeway, they, they, they can add that. And, and um, you, know, you know, some claims are approved. But what you may be um, alluding to as a, a presumption, you know, you know, I have X, then it's all just sort of laid out, out for you. And there, there, there's not enough evidence to support a presumption. But, but um, you, know, you know, we absolutely encourage people to make, make, make a claim if, if you have it. And, and it is kind of a, um, a myth that, that you need to join the registry to, to get a claim. To do a claim. Yeah, you have to do this is, is one of the steps. And it's absolutely not. You, you can go straight to, to the claim. And, and, you know, especially with those people who aren't eligible, you, you, you know, if you went to one of those other countries, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking they're thinking that you're, you're getting in the way of my claim. It's like, no, no, we're not. You know, please do the claim and see a healthcare provider too. You, you yeah. know, you, you have problems. Uh, you just can't join the registry. Uh, free, but, exa- free exam couldn't hurt that claim. 
Yeah. yeah. Now, people can use that information for their claim. That's, you, what, you know, that's you, what I'm you, saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you sit down with the doctor and, and, mm-hmm. and whatever he writes, you know, you can use that for your claim. It's just not required sure. to do so. Sure. And, I mean, and it may not be the thing that puts you over the that, – that, that proves that you have that. So, right. understood. I just want to want to something interesting that I w- was studying a while back. Agent Orange, Gulf War legacy registries, the time it took for the VA to react to the concerns of the veterans. It was it's pretty long, long yeah. period of time. I think that's safe to say that. Yeah. But if you, if you look at the airborne hazards registry and that concern, that health concern to have the registry put together in such, such a short period of time and reacting to the concerns of the veterans, that's that's that's, you know, it's years ahead of its time. And when it comes to a possibility of, of presumptive Benefits in in the future, it's it's ahead, it, it, but it's it's years ahead of where the Gulf War and Agent Orange would be. Yeah. Okay, gentlemen, I've, I feel like I put you on the hot seat for a while. This is your time, Doctor Shooping, Mister Mitchell. Is there anything that I may have missed that you think it's important for the listeners to know? I I, I know dealing with the veterans on a day to day basis. The thing that is important is to remember that there's a part one and there's a part two. Once you complete the questionnaire and you submit, you, you're not done with the registry. Yes, you're a registrar, you're a participant, but there is a part two. There is a in-person medical evaluation to complete that. And that provides that that data, that health information that, that, that could possibly could be used towards the future. If you have difficulty, if a veteran has difficulty or service member has difficulty getting into the registry, there are help information out there. Use your, your VFW, use your, your VA center, use your, your medical center, go online, put in airborne hazards registry. There's loads of information that we, we put out there and the contacts call. We're there to support. We're there to assist as much as possible to make sure that the veteran makes it through that process. Got you. Yeah. Okay. Dr. Shubing, what am I missing? Well, you haven't have missed anything, but, but but one thing I want to um, em- emphasize is, is getting the exam. You know, the registry has been in um, six years, go, going on six years, and, and it's sort of been getting the exams, getting the, the facilities, doing the exams has been a work in progress. And I, I think there was an important time then where facilities weren't sure what that was. But I think we're in a good place right now that um, most places, I wouldn't say all, but most places, you know, have the ability to do the exam. And, and you know, now's the time. You know, you know, if you missed your exam from two years ago, you know, you know try again if, if that's what we want to do. You, you know, once once again, it's optional, but, but it's optional for the. You know, we try to get the word out externally, but there's so much going on, and depending on what you want to do, you may not know about that. You know, you know, if, if you get a blank stare, don't do it. We encourage people to go to these environmental health coordinators because they're kind of the people. You yeah. know, you know, they're they're most in the know of what what, what to do yeah. for this they, program. You send me that link. I'll make sure it definitely enters into the um into the blog. So we'll get that. We'll get the number in there. We'll make sure there's every available resource in that blog and, and, and make sure that that happens. Strength is something earned, not given. Dedication means pursuing your passion every day. Healing is something we do together. And together, we put veterans first. 
Search VA Careers to find out how. I want to thank Vincent and Eric for coming on. Always good to go over some of these topics again. Uh, again, the link to the registry is in episode 185's blog on blogs.va.gov. You can also Google Burn Pit Registry VA and it'll pop up. It's probably one, it's, it's usually the first uh, link that pops up in Google. And the number to help get on the registry, to help find the registry is 1-877-470-5947. I also want to thank my interns from the uh, VA DME internship program, my podcast team. Without you guys, uh, I wouldn't have been able to get a, they chose this episode, by the way, uh, as a rewind. And without them, I would not have been able to get this episode out. Thank you so much to each and every one of you. This week's Born in the Battle Veteran of the Week is by way of VA's Veteran of the Day program. Every day, the digital media team here at VA honors a veteran with a blog on blogs.va.gov and with a post on all of VA social media platforms. You can nominate the veteran in your life by sending in a bio and about five photos to newmedia at va.gov. Marshall Edward Harris was born on March 1930 in Daytona Beach, Florida. After high school and throughout college, Harris was part of the Navy Reserve. He also joined the Naval Reserve Officers Training Corps at TCU at Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, Texas. While at TCU, he was an offensive tackle on the football team and played in the Southwest Conference Championship in 1951. He was also a starter in the 1952 Cotton Bowl, as well as a member of the first academic All-American team. Harris earned multiple awards for outstanding athletic and academic performance, including an honorable mention in the All-Southwest Conference in 1953, before graduating in 1954. In 55, Harris commissioned into the Air Force and was stationed as a flight instructor at Little Rock Air Force Base. He was then stationed at Warren Air Force Base in Wyoming as a launch control officer with the 549th and 566th Strategic Missile Squadrons. Harris was also a missile combat crew commander, during which time he trained pilots for the United States' first nuclear strike program. Harris deployed twice to Southeast Asia during Vietnam. He flew over 300 combat missions over Thailand, Vietnam, and Laos. He piloted KC-135s and C-130s while attached to the 314th Tactical Airlift Wing. His duties include refueling fighter jets while they were in flight, as well as flying those killed in battle to the military mortuary in Da Nang. Harris also earned the rank of major while serving in Vietnam. In 1968, Harris was awarded with the first of his two Distinguished Flying Crosses and the first of his five air medals. Harris returned to Fort Worth in 1970, where he served as a squadron commander and then a wing officer controller for the 7th Bombardier Wing at Carswell Air Force Base in Fort Worth, Texas. Harris retired from the Air Force in 1976 after 22 years of service. He then returned to TCU and earned a Master of Liberal Arts and then worked as a VA counselor before transitioning to logistics specialist positions within the Texas state government. In 2002, Harris was inducted into the NCAA Academic All-American Team Hall of Fame, and in 2009, he was inducted into the TCU's Letterman's Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, Harris passed away in July of 2021. Air Force veteran Marshall Edward Harris. We honor his service. Ready. Hey. Oh. 
That's it for this Rewind episode. Be sure to subscribe to Born the Battle on your favorite podcatcher of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, pretty much any player known to computer, tablet, or man. For more updates on veteran and veteran benefits, check out our stories on blogs.va.gov and subscribe to VA on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, RallyPoint, LinkedIn, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. And as always, I'm reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed on this podcast, nor any media products or services they may provide. I say that because the song you're hearing now is called Machine Gunner, which is courtesy of Operation Song and was written by Marine veteran Mark Milkilhenny, Nashville songwriter Jason Seaver, and Michael Duncan. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next week, hopefully with a fresh episode. Take care. We gotta get them one way or the other. Machine gun. Firefight bullets fly to my brain. Simplify till we die another campaign. My desk is a rock where the drug lords cut up millions. My pen is a 7.62 round that'll cut them down in an instant. Made bullet in my back Raining down lead Punching that clock Get them boys, I'm laying down Cover machine gun bullets fly day and night Brain simplify Do or die another campaign Here we go, lock and load 0331, lug a thousand rounds And I ain't bringing back one